All right, welcome everybody to the year end, uh, although it's the year beginning today, but the year end edition of Legal Tech Week in which we're gonna talk about the top stories of the year in legal tech and legal innovation. Uh, this is the show where every week we generally talk about legal tech and innovation, talk about the week's top stories. We're gonna focus <coughs> on the year today. Uh, I'm Bob Ambroji, I have the blog Law Sites and the podcast Law Next. And we've got a full panel here today to talk about all this stuff. So uh, let's go around and introduce ourselves and then we'll get going. So let's kick it off with our special visitor here from the UK, Caroline. Yay! <laughs> yeah, Happy New Year, everyone. I'm Caroline Hill, Editor-in-Chief of Legal IT Insider. It's nice to see you. Right. And Joe Patrice. Joe Patrice from Above the Law and the Thinking Like a Lawyer podcast. And welcome to... 2024. I'm sure this year will be the year in which we never talk about AI. <laughs> what are you drinking, Joe? <laughs> Four roses. So a nice Kentucky bourbon. It is, yeah. And speaking of Kentucky bourbon, Steve. I am Steve Embry. I actually live in Kentucky, so I can I can talk about Kentucky bourbon. I write the blog Tech Law Crossroads about legal innovation and legal technology. I was also going to say you're well-aged too, but that would be good. Well, that is, <laughs> well, don't start that. I, don't, I don't know about well, but I am certainly <laughs> aged. <laughs> Steve is not All right. alone. <laughs> Steve, no, he's not alone. Uh, Stephanie. Oh, hi, uh, Stephanie Wilkins, <laughs> Editor-in-Chief of Legal Tech News at ALM. All right, Nikki. Hi everyone, uh, Nikki Black, I'm the Head of External Education and Subject Matter Expertise at uh, My Case and LAPE. And I also oversee our industry <laughs> and benchmark reports. And I write legal tech columns for ABA Journal, uh, blah, 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 and The Daily Record. I'm struggling to explain what I do. I don't know what my problem is today, but anyway, <laughs> great to see everyone. <laughs> I feel like every week you struggle to remember what your title is. I, was it, I, wasn't I, it just this year that it changed last year or something? It, I think it changes every week. <laughs> it doesn't it does not change every week <laughs> but yeah it's a little bit of a mouthful <laughs> all right well uh amanda's title hasn't changed for a while victor yeah thank you uh, <laughs> uh, victor lee uh, assistant managing editor for the aba journal uh focusing on business of law and technology and actually uh you know because nikki writes a column for me and so when, when I think back when she was legal tech evangelist or whatever, um, like the copy editors in my in my in my department were like, no, that's not a real title. We got to get rid of that. We got to put a real title on them. And that's what it says on her on her on her bio. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it was my title for a really long time, but that was one of the reasons I wanted to switch it because everyone was always like, the hell is that? Like, what kind of title is that? It was like such a Silicon Valley esque title that I I love that title. Yeah. I think it says it all. <laughs> Someone at Lex Machina had that title too. I've seen that title before. There are multiple evangelists out there. There are. There are. Uh, yeah. And uh, all right. And uh, Jean. Uh, I'm Jean O'Grady. I write the Dewey B Strategic blog and I write a monthly column for Legal Tech Hub. All right. Um, Am I still here? <laughs> I'm getting bad at mess. I'm getting, I've got an unstable internet here. I'm getting little messages from Zoom. Hopefully I make it through the show. Um, so we were, uh, of course, going to talk about 
uh, the year's top story and and wrap them all up. But uh, surprisingly, the, the the Chief Justice of the United States beat us to the punch uh, this week, uh, issuing his uh, annual report in which he uh, chose to uh, talk all about the impacts of artificial intelligence and generative artificial intelligence on the legal profession and the judiciary and give us a history lesson in legal technology along the line, along the way. Uh, and and uh, I actually, I got, I got a message from somebody on LinkedIn uh, who, who said to me, I'm gonna read his, what he said. He said, do you find it odd that the Chief Justice used a critical year-end Supreme Court report to opine from a myopic standpoint on the threat of AI, which was not even well analyzed, versus the highly divisive issues facing the legitimacy of the court, such as ethics and a politicized court. To which I replied, read Joe Patrice's post. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So this guy, uh, this guy, Chief Justice. Uh, so for the last, I, I will preface this to not be tech for half a second in, in that Right before this report, which is one of the things that the Chief Justice of the United States does every year, it's basically like the judicial branch's state of the union. Um, right before this came out, I got a bunch of groups of various stripes sending me press releases being like, we're going to send you our pre-buttle about like, we don't think he has the answer when he talks about ethics this way or that way. And I was like, oh, you sweet summer children. Uh, he is not going to talk about ethics. He's not going to talk about anything actually relevant because... I'm now a few years into covering this guy's reports, and he uses what should be the sacred duty of the chief justice to provide some sort of an annual report about the judiciary to write what can best be described as bad blog posts or maybe like a holiday year-end wrap-up in a, that somebody has about like with a picture of them and their dog about whatever he thinks of. Uh, it's been the thing he's done for several years now. This is yet another one. And this year, he decided to do it on AI. And he wrote some lines like, you know, I think the big issue everyone's thinking about right this year is whether AI will replace judges, to which literally nobody was thinking that. Uh, maybe they were thinking that AI might replace some lawyer tasks, but no one is thinking judges. Uh, so to that end, I wrote this, uh, I wrote up this bit talking about first the kind of insult to the importance of his job that he decides to not write about anything actually happening in the judiciary, but also the fact that he chooses, when he chooses to write about something that doesn't have any relevance, he decides to pop off about AI based on like a 2013 understanding of what AI might actually be. Uh, he talks a bit about hallucinations in the most backwards, not understanding the lay of the land way possible. He clearly has done no investigation into what's happening with AI right now, other than to talk about how, oh, well, it doesn't make any sense. And then he has the gall to explain that judges are different than every other person, every other kind of job. It can't be replaced because of the nuances judges have, which, to which I point to, while I encourage people to read my article. I will also say that in The Nation, Ellie Mascal uh, wrote an article about this same report, and he focused on this guy has the gall to say, oh, well, judges are special, and we, you know, we have a lot of nuances to it. This is the guy whose Supreme Court nomination hearings were all judges do are call balls and strikes. I don't go outside the lines. It's real simple. I just look at the law. He set up the idea that he could be replaced by a machine. 
Look, he's the only one actually saying this stuff. Uh, uh. I don't know. I, I think there's been a lot written about the potential for AI. In fact, the, uh, the yeah. American Arbitration Association is e exploring using arbitrators who have a, a quasi-judicial function to to make decisions. So I don't think he's talking about replacing Supreme Court justices, but certainly people are talking about using AI for for litigation and settlements. Yeah, like, like sure. ODR, yeah, ODR is you know um, probably gonna, gonna get yeah. I mean, you know, they, 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 I mean, this but this has been around for a lot for for a while now. I mean, with you know, um, you know, was it um, what what what. What was uh, the eBay system that I I I, I can't remember um, the name of it? Square, but like, trade, yeah, I mean, square trade. Yeah, I, I I mean I mean you know the, so like yeah I think in that sense sure people are talking about you know replacing it but I think I'm sure what he meant was yeah like what 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 Joe took out took out of it what, and and what others was just like oh well you can't replace us like we're you know what we do is yeah. so special and so 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 be special which look let's be honest right I mean yeah you you you, you probably can't replace that but. You know, more to the point is that, like, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe it would solve the problem of like just justices going on these very expensive junkets or getting their mom's houses paid for, or you know, um, having all these other gifts and and and, and things to supplement their meager income. Um, so you know, maybe maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I, I don't, I don't know, Victor. There have been some decisions about the court of light that I sort of wish that. Chat GPT had decided instead of some of the judges. <laughs> well, might have been better reason. Getting outcomes. <laughs> given the hash of it, some lawyers are making with Chat GTP. I'm not sure we want judges. I mean, oh. I was, I, I was, you know, the, I mean, part of the criticism was over just over whether this was the issue he should have been talking about, given given all the ethics scandals and and everything else at the court this year. And uh, I'm not, I'm not so sure. I, I I think it was inappropriate of him to address it. I don't think he addressed it very well, but you know, I think I mean the way he he positioned it is that part of the reason for his message is to talk about an issue that affects the judiciary as a whole, and and some of the you know Supreme Court ethics issues spe specifically don't affect the the judiciary as a whole because the judiciary actually has a code of ethics that it has to live by as opposed to the Supreme Court. And I mean, clearly this is, you know, as, as I'm sure we'll talk about it for the next 45 minutes or so, that this is the issue of the year. And uh, I mean, I, I think there was, I, I think it was okay for him to try and tackle it. I just, I just think all he did was show off his, I mean, it did, I think yeah. Joe, I think you said in your post, it sounded like Chad GPT wrote it. I mean, that, that's what it sounded like. He went off on the history of the typewriter for two pages. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. It, it, it was, it was AI was the hook, but most of it was just like, because it's AI, now I'm just going to ramble incoherently about this time a clerk lost his job because he couldn't take shorthand. I, it was, it was so, it was all, I felt like it was trolling. It was as though he knew that we, we wanted him to talk about something relevant. And he was like, not only am I not going to talk about anything particularly relevant, I'm going to drag it out with as many unnecessary anecdotes as possible. But, you uh, know, hold on. can I bring up what the big, as someone who works in large law firms, the problem I see developing is that there is no consistency of court across courts. And I think the judiciary does need to make, the federal judiciary does need to make a coherent statement that 
of, of what is what is permissible and what kind of filing do you have to make and what kind of attestation do you have to make? Because right now what's developing is a patchwork of requirements depending on the court and depending on the judge and firms that have offices in hundred, you know, dozens of jurisdictions, it's creating a mess. It's creating a paralysis and it's actually going to hinder the adoption of, of, of reliable AI because no one knows what the ethics are. And that I think would be that would be better for him to focus on, right? So that would be a far yeah. more intelligent, useful analysis in terms of, you know, that's what you said, Gene, rather than yeah. does this mean the end of judges, right? Like actually that's oh, a kind <clears throat> of dumb uh, and uh, very I, I will have to say I, I read it and I basically agree with everything everybody said, although <laughs> the only encouraging thing I drew out of it is is there was this recognition by the Chief Justice that sort of generative AI is here to stay and ignoring right. the possibility and benefits of it is probably not in everybody's best interest and, you know, kind of let's get over it and figure out how best to deal with it. That I well, thought that than, was good to uh, hear from more the, than, more the chief than that, He actually sort of embraced it. He embraced yeah. it to an extent. I mean, he talked about the fact that it can help enhance the efficiency of the of the judicial system. And he talked about the, the potential for enhancing access to justice. So, I mean, you know, it's it's at least uh, arguably a good thing that the Chief Justice of the United States right. uh, is putting out this message that there are good aspects to this, uh, as you just said, and let's not ignore it. And and at least some of the other judges out there who are afraid of it uh, may, you know, that maybe they'll get a little bit of a message there. I don't know. Well, that That's what I was going to say. I'll take it. Like, I, it felt <laughs> to me like that time you talked about how Obama on your blog said legal tech was important. I was like, this almost feels like a joke. Like, really? Is are we it getting was a joke. To really say this? Like, I was excited that he said it. Maybe I'm just yeah, yeah. too focused on tech evangelism, but I was like, excellent, great, fine. That's not your title. <laughs> but I'll like, yeah. be excited like, anymore. <laughs> right. I was excited about it, but to um uh, so you do you think that was a crucial development in terms of the? I thought I was going to do that. I was going to do that. Well, I am never confiding in you guys ever again about my pet peeves. Forget about that's it. That's fair. I think things um, you tell us on this panel are not confiding, but um, there was an interesting thing though. I don't know uh, in terms of what um, Joan had said though. Gene uh, had said though. Um, sorry. Uh, Carolyn Elephant, my co-author, posted on um, LinkedIn today that uh, that she was doing some research trying to see if ChatGPT had been used in some court cases. And what she came across was a bunch of judges um, sanctioning or otherwise calling out pro se litigants for using ChatGPT in their filings. I saw that, yeah. I'll put a link to that. Uh, but I thought it was really interesting because she raises this issue of we all give, you know, we all act like, oh, great, it's going to you know, um, bridge access to justice. And it's this great tool and tech's going to solve all these problems. And yet you've got judges um, penalizing uh, pro se litigants for doing this. And that sort of uh, um, also goes to Gene's point about this like patchwork, you know, they're making all these random rules. How are lawyers supposed to know what they all are, let alone pro se litigants? So that's another really interesting development, I thought. I actually wrote a story. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I wrote a story on that point at one point, at some point last year that Everyone worried about lawyers and chat GPT are missing the point because it's mostly going to be pro se people. Well, I and, and but I remember think that, that the, the Fifth Circuit proposed rules was that anybody, anybody using chat GPT verify 
all the citations and that unrepresented litigants do exactly the same. And I'm thinking like, like, how are they going to do that? (laughs) How are they going to have access to the materials and B have, have the ability to make that kind of distinction. As if lawyers aren't already required to have real citations and read the cases they're citing. I mean, that GTP, I mean, Technology is not the problem. Competence is a problem. But I want Carolyn to talk about what the the UK judges did. They actually embraced AI. Well, this is interesting because we talked about this last time at the end of the year. And Jean, actually, you flagged it in the first place. I think it was their their approach has been really good. Your point about consistency, I think, is important. And the judiciary over here were given guidance um, that they they can use they can use generative AI in in terms of um, helping them to draft some of their judgments. Um, they they were given they they were given guidance on how they can use it, how they shouldn't how they shouldn't use it. And I think that's also really helpful because you know and and it's funny because in in some of the feedback we flagged last time, you know one one of the judges was quoted quoted saying saying it's jolly useful, jolly useful. You know they're using they even the judges are. They're using it anyway, right? They're, and the and the, the the concept was one of the thinking bits of thinking behind this sort of um, you know ease easing them into it was that they have to understand it, right? That they there's no point in banning it. There's no point in saying you mustn't use it. They they need to understand it, become familiar with it, learn where it's you know sensibly and 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 yeah. So they were given this. I don't know what what you picked because I know Jean, you obviously picked up on no. it as well. I don't know what you particularly liked about the guidance. Well, I like the fact that they were acknowledging that it could be useful in lots of ways. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, actually, the one way they were really cautious, again, was research, but they talked about it streamlining judges' work and, and making courts more efficient. And, you know, I mean, obviously, it, you know, we have probably a worse problem in the U.S. of overloaded courts and backlogs of, you know, we have so many courts that that just don't barely function you know, especially where there's a lot of pro se litigants. So to, so to ignore the promise of yeah. this in terms of workload and streamlining really inefficient, the current technologies is, is just crazy. Yeah. I really, I really liked what the Judicial Council did because they, they started out by just providing definitions and making the distinction between generative AI and AI, which I thought was helpful. And they, as we've been talking about, they specifically, they, I guess it, I don't know which it is, um, specifically said, you know, there's, we don't need to have lawyers tell us they're going to use this stuff. And when they're using it, they just need to do, satisfy their obligations and duties. And then it went on to say, and by the way, with unrepresented uh, litigants, the, the judge needs to take a role and, and sort of work with them to make sure that the what's being done is accurate as opposed to, ah, we're just going to throw it out. So you're not represented and if you used it, it must be wrong. So, 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 so I, I we, always thought that was a really nice piece or piece of work. Yeah. You, you going to say something, Joe? Yes. Yep. No. Oh, so, no, I mean, so we could we could all agree with, with chief justice Roberts that, that generative AI was, was, was the big story of the year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it was to our podcast, not to the country. <laughs> okay, well, not for the guy, true. But, yeah. But uh, what about specifically for legal? I mean, out of, I mean, you know, 
setting aside generative AI as sort of the, the, the big theme of the year, was there a particular story that that sort of grew out of that, that that kind of was was the big headline of the year? I mean, I mean, for me, it, it, I keep coming back to the whole case text thing. Uh, and, and I know Jean wrote a post where she kind of said the same thing, I think, if I'm not putting words in your mouth, Jean, but it just seems that the, the launch of co-counsel, the the uh, as Gene said, you know, the launch of it, not just launching it, but launching it on, on nationwide TV uh, uh, a year ago now, and and then the acquisition by by Thomson Reuters. I, I mean, there's there's that was really it seems to me the dominant story of the year. Does anybody I disagree agree. with that? Or, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, like, yeah, ChatGPT came out in November 2022, but March of 2023 is when your know, co-counsel came out. Two weeks later, they said it was GPT-4. That's really what I think blew this all up. And then that then obviously snowballed into the major 250 million, 650 million cash acquisition. And it sort of like set off this whole war. We kind of, I'm going to call it that, between TR and Lexus and one-upmanship. And like, I really think March was the tipping point more so than last November. Well, just the general tenor of hysteria and for us as legal journalists to be pitched to spend our time for at press conferences that had no content. It was, we're planning to plan to plan to have AI. I mean, people were just, I, I've never seen that level of hysteria. Instead of just knuckle down, get a good product and we'll launch it when it's ready. There was just this, need to to sort of put a flag in the in the in the generative ai planet you know and say we're here but you're not here <laughs> and a lot of those flags weren't all that exciting really i mean yeah. they were they were so so many of the announcements around generative ai out of companies were were kind of kind of sleepy in terms of what they were actually doing with it i mean they were like phantom flags the they weren't real yeah, yeah. <laughs> And too yeah, many. Yeah, doing it. Sorry. Sorry. Too too many from the same companies that we all know, right? Like too many, like con continuous announcements. Oh, and now we've got this thing, and we all go, oh god. And it's like a, an all party briefing, right? You got to all come, and you got to all listen, and then the embargo lifts now, and you all get to write something right now without having any time to think about it, right? Like, don't go and actually or try it. Right. Don't go and think about what we're talking about. Don't go and, you know, have any time to sort of process this. You have to write it. Then Bargo lifts now. You know, that was what irritated me. I'm like, please don't do that again. <laughs> well, and also it's kind although, of like, well, you can how, many, how many different. The, you can keep doing the bring us all into one room thing. We like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Victor. I cut you off. Sorry, Victor. <laughs> That's it. Well, but also it's just like, I mean, yeah, like, because at the end of the day, it's, it was like, how many different uses are there really? I mean, yeah, it, it's a it, it's a groundbreaking technology, and it's 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 already you know changed a lot. But like, what? It's not going to like make me dinner. It's not going to like massage my feet while I while I while I you know come up with come up with come up with 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 with, with my with my briefs and whatnot. So it's just like this is a legal technology show. Yeah, <laughs> but no, 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 no. But like, but like, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, the 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 uses for it were all kind of the same. It's like, okay, it's gonna it's gonna help you write. It's gonna help you write. It's gonna help you. You know, uh, search through things. It's going to help you uh, organize things better. It's going to help you draft things. It's going to help. And I mean, 
So it's just kind of like all the all these companies say, oh, we have the, we have this groundbreaking. And I said, like, no, it's really just just all kind of the same thing. It's like when Coke and Pepsi and all like all, all those all those companies came up with the their lemon drinks. Like, no, it's it's all just their cola with a little bit of lemon in it. It's just it's just they market it differently. I I think yeah, it's was... it is groundbreaking. I think it, personally, I think it is going to maybe not this year, maybe you know, maybe, but I think it's. I mean, it's there's some of this the potential certainly, but I think it's a case of these things take thought and they take you know, the proper demos and they take understanding and, you know, and time and, you know, they're not something just to be like, oh, hey, we've got this new thing and we're going to do it. And, and, you know, I don't know. I just think the approach is the approach for me personally. And I know everyone's got their different take on it. For me personally, it's the kind of trying to push it out and rush it. And 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 in it, whereas it needs, I think it should, I mean, there's obviously that competition, you know, that as you said, you know, TR, Lexus, they're competing with one another. It's inevitable within this market. But um, I think actually the bigger companies should be the ones that are going, right, we've really thought about this. And I know, you know, there were a couple that came to market a bit later. <laughs> and said, okay, this is, we think we've got more fully fledged thing here, which even if it's, you know, <clears throat> working in a smaller area, we can show demonstrable, we can show examples of how it's being used for example you know we can or, or customer engagement or i think those were those were the ones that impressed me most well, well, I think, but all but the thing i keep coming up against in the real world not every law firm has even established an ai policy like there uh, that is real you know and and all the and the the famous all of the schwartz issues have also gummed up the works because if, was that what you were going to do, Joe? Were you going to jump in about Schwartz? Uh, I was not. I, I I do have a follow-up to what you're saying, but keep going. No, I was just going to say. I mean, that is a real-world problem because some there there's the issue of does the firm have a policy, and then do individual clients have requirements regarding disclosure, and how is a you know they, in the United States we have law firms with literally you know thousands of lawyers and you know, tens of thousands of clients who may have individual requirements regarding the disclosure and use of AI. And then we have to, to complicate things more. We have judges who have their own limitations. It's like everything is conspiring against making this technology available. Mm -hmm. There are, there are so many logistical hurdles. There was, well, uh, and that's, I don't, well, and the, oh, no, no, this was my, oh, sorry. Yeah. My follow-up was, that I think that's exactly right. And I think when Gene says there's a lot of firms that don't haven't even started having policies on it, don't really know what they're doing. That's why I suspect, and I know it's annoying for us as journalists to write about things that are almost, almost hypothetical. But I think a lot of these companies are putting out these, we got this developed, we got this developed, we can do this now, we can do that now, maybe, or, or we could soon do that. It's signaling. They want us to signal to these firms, this is the sort of stuff you need to start building building policies around. So in some ways, I don't get totally angry about how annoying it is that we're writing about something that's hypothetical. Because I think part of it is we're part of the, we're, we're the vanguard who has to try to convince people that they need to care about it. And, and so to some extent, that's why I think they're so hyper about all these press releases is that they know they... We have to inundate them with news about it. The, the, so you know, they start the, thinking yeah, about it. Yeah, I get that because, like, because, like, I mean, because, because you don't want to be the company that 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 it doesn't do that doesn't that, that, that isn't isn't hyping it up because then people are going to be like, well, why aren't you 
you know, why are mm-hmm. you getting on the train? Like, what, what are you seeing? You know, or why haven't you seen the light like these other companies? You know, it's very much, I think there's very much a lot of that going on too, because if you don't, if it doesn't look like you're taking it seriously, then then, then people aren't going to take you seriously. So no, I, I get it, but it's just kind of like, I mean, what I, what I was saying originally was that like, you know, when people say that, oh, this is like, you know, this, this grabber technology, it is grabber technology, but like, you know, making it seem like that your, your, your product does, does something radically different than all the other products out there or, or is capable of doing something radically different than all, than, than all the products are capable of right now, it doesn't add up because it's just at the end of the day, the, tech, the tech's not there yet. And I, I think, you know, there's, a, there's I will... a big risk that's associated with that too, because, you know, the, the legal community, lawyers, legal professionals have been are very quick to sort of jump off the hype train if something doesn't work exactly as it's been portrayed as working. So if you oversell it, which has been done before, then you get this backlash of like, I knew this was a bunch of BS to begin with. And in fact, there was an article in the New York Times op-ed section this past week, not by lawyers, but by some of the reporters for the New York Times that was were based was basically along the lines of, meh, it's not such a big deal after all, you know, I mean, yeah, it doesn't do all that much, doesn't help us all that much, and so on and so forth. Whether that's true or not, I, I do worry, though, particularly with the legal community, where you you oversell a product that, you know, the, the return burn can be, you know, kind of bad for something that could really work. It's going to be, it's, that, it's, that, it's how it evolves though, isn't it? So, so you've got this, you know, this, you've got, it's just, <laughs> you can you can see where it's going. So you've got the over-promising, you've got the early products that some of which are crap, some of which will end up being, you know, coming better, some of which will die, some of, you know, and then it will crash into the, some people say we're already going into the trough of disillusionment, but then we will come up, right? And I think that, that some of the products that we're seeing now will improve some of them, won't some of them will turn out to be vaporware some of them won't but i think that these early products are not to be you know we can't i don't think we can write them off they're not all we, you know, they're, you... they're early they're early stage i think is what they are and that and i don't think that we should be too quick to to completely write them off or say that it's all crap i just think that it's their early stage it's inevitable people are rushing to market with them um it just falls to, it falls to us and to them to to work out you know intelligently what it all means and I do think it's gotten a little bit better from the beginning of the year. Like, yes, we'll still have these, you know, sort of phantom flags, these, you know, announcements to announce. But there were there was a good month or two there that everyone was like, we are the AI. This is the first. This is the best. And it just got it was like ad nauseum. And I feel like that at least has backed off a little bit because once we like learned enough to actually ask a few questions and if they couldn't answer them, they knew like. I think there was a lot in the beginning. They're like, nobody understands this. We'll just say this is true and people will believe it. But now people actually have a better sense of how to suss through it. And I'm hoping, maybe I'm just being optimistic. I'm hoping that continues and we keep this trend towards more concrete news of what uh, things are doing. Yeah. Some of this is, some okay. of this is in Nikki's been trying to get a point in for like 10 minutes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh so, some of this is investor driven too, though, because they have something and they want to make it seem cool so that people allow them to finish it. I, well, you know, I mean, but that's the other thing is like the price that Thomson Reuters paid for Case Text. And, and I think Case Text truly co counsel got is is a, is in many ways a groundbreaking technology i think they they got there first they could plant their flag but thompson's price they paid is gonna i think could cause a huge market distortion 
because they have to make that money back. And, you know, at the other end of the marketplace, very quietly, you have the, the, the fast case VLEX merger, which I think is a real sleeper because they, they, they're not making a lot of ways, but the fact is they are priced at the other end of the market and they are the only product that can use AI across jurisdiction. So it can translate into other languages. And when you look at, I mean, often the market is driven by the largest global law firms. And once a, a, a large law firm says, wait, wait a minute, I could pay this for VLEX? Do I really need to pay that premium for, you know, the the, the the predominant vendors? I mean, I think there's a real, in the long term, there's real potential for disruption. Yeah. I, first of all, I want to say that a little over a year ago, I don't think we were even talking about generative AI. I always like to step back because we're acting like this has been going on for a decade. This has been around for a year. And from, a, from someone who's worked in a tech company for um, 11 plus years now, in terms of the speed of development, in terms of um, a completely new technology, essentially coming out, you know, it there has there's a ton of work that has to be done on the back end. And from a PR perspective alone, you know, trying to um, there's so many moving pieces, there's so many things happening. It's not all generative AI. There's all these other things that tech companies have to do that are just maintenance, you know, that are rolling out regular updates. And then you got this generative AI on top of it and trying to decide, do you want to roll little bits out? Do you want to be super thoughtful about it and roll out uh, a very planned approach? Um, how are you going to do this? You know, uh, there's so many different moving parts when you're part of a tech company. And the fact that this has happened in a year and the tech has advanced quite a bit, even in that year, you know, it's, and then there's all these different platforms to pull from and which ones do you use and how do you, and then there's like the blow up with, um, uh, um, open AI that probably caused some people, you know, some companies to really regret that they put all their, um, chips into open AI, you know, at that point in time. So there's so many different moving pieces and so many different factors. And this is moving so fast that it feels chaotic to everybody. It feels chaotic to the press. It feels chaotic, probably uh, certainly to the customers, to the lawyers, to the um, judges, to the clients, to the companies. Like it's just chaotic because it's happening so fast. And but But I think the companies are all approaching it in different ways and there's no right or wrong way. And we're just kind of all feeling out as we go as both press and as companies. And I think that, uh, and the last thing I just want to say is it is moving so fast that that's why it feels chaotic. Um, but I think it's going to absolutely, uh, I disagree with uh, the point someone had made about this, just sort of uh, Victor, sorry, I don't mean to call you out Victor, but it was you that said that this is like a small, you know, it does not really change a thing significantly. I agree with what um, someone- That's not what I said, but okay, whatever. <laughs> I agree with what some uh, Ginevra said in the comments. I think that this is 100% going to change what the practice of law looks like on so many different levels in a much shorter amount of time than we would have thought. Uh, I could yeah. be wrong, but I, this to me is just groundbreaking and it's going to change so many That's, things. I think part I, of the, one part other of the aspect... issue is, is we are all so used to, to things moving so slowly in the legal tech community with the development and adoption of, and marketing of products. But if you go outside the legal tech community, I mean, the, the notion of introducing a minimally viable product, it's been around for years and in the consumer marketplace is, you know, not that unusual for somebody to come out with something that's, this is what it'll do today, but let me tell you what it's going to do tomorrow. I mean, 
if you go back and look at Steve Jobs' announcement of the of the first iPhone, that's, that was what all that was about. You know, so we got this little thing, and it'll 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 make phone calls today, but just wait. <laughs> yeah, but one of the thing, one of the other things that's caused I think <clears throat> some some sort of confusion around all of this is the fact that. You know, as Nikki said, we've we've had generative AI for a year, but we've had AI for a long time, and companies have had AI-driven products for a long time. And and I I've just seen increasingly a lot of product, a lot of companies sort of going through contortions to distinguish what their new AI product is doing differently from what their old AI product did. I mean, I just had a, a demo this week. I'm sure we probably use some of you had the same demo where they put out a press release that said like this is our our first uh, ai you know contract review product or something like that and I, I said but but before last year you had an ai contract review product and it's like oh yeah we better change the press release to make clear that this is our second but and and when you ask them, well how is it different than what you were doing before because they made so many claims about what it was doing before and then it's like they ha they have to kind of <laughs> dance around a little bit to say, well, this is how it's different. And and in fact, in the demo this week, they, they actually gave me a good answer to that question. But it was it, it's funny to kind of see that before and after. There's like now there's current there's generative AI, but there was AI before, and I, That's I think there's so just funny. confusion. I know exactly around. the demo that you're talking about. I had exactly <laughs> the same questions, and I was just there going. And why does this need to be generative AI? Like, what does the gen bit add that didn't do <laughs> yeah. before? Like, I don't understand why we need the generative bit for this particular thing that you're doing. <laughs> right. Apart from the fact that it's called generative AI and that that might make people pay more attention. Well, I think that's exactly it. Not everything needs generative <laughs> AI. Some things right. like... Not everything. I mean, some things don't even need AI. They, a little automation yeah. goes a long way. But everyone <gasps> just thinks like it is definitely a hype word now. Yeah. And it has great, great potential. But like people do really feel like if I don't say it, people will think my tool is crap. I think one of the things I think I um, brought this up. Oh, sorry. At the end I of was the say, on the other hand, the judges will allow you to use it. <laughs> right. I think I brought this up at the end of last year. Just the, when I. So I felt like I was spending too much time with vendors, just getting their demos. And end of end of last year was that the last time you were on this show? I yeah, that remember. was the last time. And actually, yeah, this right, is yeah. the last one, right, Joe? So I've done two consecutive <laughs> ones. So actually, uh, <laughs> um, and it's dry January, so you know, eight PM was like less fun than than early in December. I would also but point out you'll for be the writing record, more that the end January. of last year was yeah, less I'll be writing more in um, but so, so, but I engaged with the CIO, with some CIOs, got them all together in a room, and actually, it's really interesting the, the conversations. And 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 it, you know, they're not saying this is not a big deal. They're not saying it won't transform the law. They're saying we don't know how we're going to afford it. We everybody's got their own thing. We don't know how we're going to afford everybody's thing. We we don't know. You know, obviously, there's a lot to do with the privacy and security that they're still trying to work around as as custodians of. You know, it's all very well. You know, corporate counsel saying, well, what are you doing, and how are we benefiting cost wise, but law firms are custodians of their clients data i think that they they're very they're conscious of the fact that there's going to be this power shift which for me perhaps is you know one of the perhaps not stories of last year but maybe going to be one of the stories of this year about how how it will shift power potentially to the client you know if, if particularly if law firms don't get their acts together like and and work out 
how they're going to use it, how they are going to pass cost savings on in the way that they're being asked to do already. <laughs> and they're not even there yet. They're just like, we don't even know um, how are we saving costs. We're not using it. So so um, I think that's going to be one of the interesting, you know, the kind of the, the power struggle I see hmm. saw developing last year between clients and law firms. I think we'll see more of that, um, which was quite fascinating. So what, uh, we've got like 15 minutes left here. Was AI the only big story this year? Was there anything else that, that kind of jumped out and stood out for people over the last year? Oh, there was that thing about the bears. Bears? <laughs> bears! Uh, yeah, so for long time loyal listeners of the show, you know that we had a lot of fun back in June when we talked about bears. In particular, the bear that is the source of a lawsuit in Connecticut where a family is suing, claiming that the cops tied a camera to a bear to illegally search their house. Uh, it, it's, the family involved is, is not the Goldilocks family, as it turns out. It's uh, people who they thought were trying to... So it, it, it's all a mess. But the point of this challenge is that they didn't actually tie it to the bear to search these people's house. Other than they assumed these people were guilty, they tied it to the bear to find out who was illegally feeding the bear. And it just happened to be that these people were the ones illegally feeding the bear. And so their argument that you weren't, you did this <laughs> is weirdly circular. Like, oh, you knew it was going to come onto our property. It's like, yes, because you're guilty. Uh, but whatever. Uh, but I thought that story, while we had a lot of fun with it, and there were a lot of cocaine bear jokes, and we did, we had some fun. But uh, I thought that was an interesting story because it speaks to, and this may not be just a 2023 story, but is a continuing story that we're losing a little bit of in the Gen AI fun, is that surveillance is real, and the amount of data that legal has, both the cops, and in civil litigation, the amount of tracking data people are able to get, the amount of information, like your car seat can tell, be your car can tell if you were sitting in your car seat. Something we learned because uh, one of Nikki's, uh, I know one of Nikki's bugaboos is this argument that uh, some of these car companies are now going to have sell fully loaded luxury vehicles, but only turn on the luxury things if you pay a subscription, um, which seems awful. Uh, but they have these high-tech abilities to surveil you in multiple different ways. And so I think surveillance is a big story that we're kind of losing out on. And while the bear was a funny version of it, uh, that's a story that I just don't want people to completely forget. Well, the, well, uh, the keynote speaker at the TLTF Summit we went phones. to. Well, it was, uh, it was cash, right? Yeah, cash. cash right? yeah. New York Times writer, uh, former above the law writer, talking about. Yeah, there we book, go. Uh, From, oh, let's not down. Let's not insult her by being New York Times writer. AT <laughs> above the law writer. Yes. <laughs> who's who's uh, unfortunately fallen in harder times and is now at the New York yeah. Times. I feel uh, bad for her, you know. Really. <laughs> who's that? Is it Cash Hill, Cashmere oh. Hill. But she wrote Cash the book. Your face belongs to us. All about face the companies that are using facial recognition technology and how they're using it. And it's scary stuff. It's, it's bizarrely scary stuff. Well, someone, someone wrote a story for me uh, this past year where they, they talked about like, even, even like, you know, like, you know, your Grubhub data or your DoorDash data, it says a lot yeah. about, you know, like, I mean, if you like, let's say you order pizza, like 
twice a week or something, or you get pizza and then burgers and whatnot, then then an insurance company could be like, oh, well, that clearly means that you don't eat very healthy. You're probably overweight. Yeah. Your cholesterol is probably through the roof. Um, you probably have a higher higher risk of diabetes, hypertension, and blah blah blah. So we're going to jack up your premium, or we're not going to insure you, or blah blah blah. You know, it's, it's just it's just even stuff like that. Just like you wouldn't think. You wouldn't think because it's not like a, it's not like they're they're like going through your computer and like you know looking for incriminating information on you. So this is just something that you put out there because you want you want the convenience of like of of getting of getting this food delivered to your door or because you don't feel like making dinner or whatnot. And then they're making they're making you know real important decisions based on that. And there are well, also you know, lawyers. The, the lawyer who couldn't get into Rockefeller Center or Madison Square Garden because of who who they represented. Uh, Madison Square Garden. Yeah. 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 There are yeah. also issues with biases and um, that are and the thing about between about the surveillance and the biases is that AI and generative AI, more AI than generative AI, I would say, but it well, AI, it amplifies, you know, by significant amounts, the, the ability of these companies to access that information, draw it out, locate it, make sense of it and then use it against you. So that's another way that it's just sort <clears> of <throat> causing this rapid acceleration of damage, if you will, that can be caused by tech in general, and then AI is really amplifying it. So it's, it is pretty terrifying. So, so my, uh, what you, oh. oh, I just wanted to quickly do the joke. Uh, you, your, your point about Madison Square Garden was correct. Uh, the not get into Rockefeller Center was us. Remember, we are the ones who couldn't get into Rockefeller Center because disco had a fight <laughs> in the party. <laughs> we were the ones who were stuck at the bottom of the elevator being yelled at by security because of a fight there was the a fight, and we didn't get that. Oh, that was yeah. that was the story. That was the story of last year. No, I was going to say, um, so security. <laughs> so we haven't really talked. So Nikki's point leads kind of segues into security. Obviously, is a story for every year. Um, but I think that you know that that, that it it's becoming more challenging. And actually, um, the the kind of list of things that law firms that they kind of thought thought that they had it with multi-factor authentication and now they're faced with deep fakes right so now they're faced with potentially someone could be presented with the voice of their chief executive telling them to do something and it's not actually their ceo so i think that you know there's a there's a sort of the the, the list of things that they need to be on top of is, is growing and becoming even more challenging and obviously there were a couple of really significant law firm hacks last year which i think um there'll probably be more to, to bring it back to the judiciary on that note, I mean, <clears throat> I have I've talked several times about the concern of the deep fakes, both from photographic video evidence and audio materials, <clears throat> and the ability of judges to serve as the gatekeepers uh, to keep that kind of stuff out, given the limited resources that many, many judges have. It could be a, you know, an ongoing issue for a long time. And yeah, you could say, well, okay, even with a picture today, you have to have somebody there to authenticate it and say, yeah, I took the picture and this is da da da. But you know, are we then going to say, okay, did you did you make any changes to the picture using you know any of the tools? And well, yes, I made you know I changed the exposure, and then you get into the you know, well, is that still a picture of what it was supposed to be, or has it been altered? And I mean, it, it's a big can of worms, and will be a big can of worms, I think. If you haven't checked it out, Judge Schlegel's put up a great site on uh, deep fakes in in, in, mm -hmm. in in the judiciary, but in law in general. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, and he's got a lot of great examples of of how mm -hmm. how scary it can be, but also ways that it can be potentially useful as well. The, yeah. the uh, technology. So yeah, uh, it's a culture. It's a cultural thing, isn't it? You need to catch up with you know culturally. We we we're still in the 
stage of assuming we assume you know we, mm -hmm. we kind of got past the assumption with a lot of things like with emails with you know we ch learn to check links and check the but i think with voice and and visual visual um prompts we we still tend to trust them i think that's the next thing isn't it to, to culturally to educate people right that may or may yeah. not be the person yeah. that you think it is well, I, was, big, I think it was yeah. nikon that came out this week with an announcement that <clears throat> There'd be a watermark on any photograph that was altered that was taken with a Nikon camera. Oh, interesting. interesting. I, yeah. Jerry Bailey from FTI last year at Legal Week straight up told <clears> me, <throat> we, you all need to start coming up with passwords for your family for voice. Like when they call you and you hear <clears> them <throat> on the phone, you need to have a password with them because we're at the point where people can start right. faking voices. Mm. Yeah. Oh, so when I asked before about other top stories of the year, some there was Kristen Calvi in the chat mentioned what about M and A's, and I, I mean we talked about the fast case Velux uh, merger acquisition, whatever you want to call that, uh, the the uh, Thomson Reuters acquisition of, of Case Text. I mean, I'm not sure there were any others that were sort of knock your socks off. The reveal maybe in the e-discovery world, the e reveal uh, double acquisition of of logical and. Uh, um was it ipro I yeah i think ipro uh was it was a potentially big one were there were there other big m a's this year that were that we should be talking about or made made a difference i'll take that as a no <laughs> we're all brain dead now yeah i feel other, like there was other, another one and i'm just not yeah, yeah I don't seems know. like there I was yeah yeah um i, I mean, mean was it, it, i guess know, maybe the space wasn't there a contract in the in the contract yeah. Review space. There was something big. Maybe, maybe oh, this. Boy. Maybe the real story is there. Maybe the real story is there were so many of them that they, what was once a really big story, has become less of a big story because there's ten other, you know, very similar. It was quite, it was quite significant. Stories. The Thompson Reuters elite divestment. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that was quite significant. You know, in, in the yeah. management space, obviously, that that went for. A price probably lower than a lot of people would expect and from thompson reuters it's really significant because it gave them the cash that they needed right so they kind of strategically they they got rid of something which hadn't for a long time sat very well within tr and they they'd really been wasting it to be honest with you they kind of had it all split across different segments and i know the elite team found it really hard to <clears throat> work together on that basis so actually I think it's a good thing, really, that they that they sold it to private equity company. But I think that was significant, and that paved the way for that was before the case tax acquisition, wasn't it? Oh yeah, the, the Wesley. Mm, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah so that was. They had. So that yeah, that was that was that was a significant precursor, I think. And it, put and some money in their pocket. Exactly, and it was quite significant for the market as well. I think probably within the PMS sector, anyway. So something I never realized until just recently, and this is a a, a plug for Nikki's uh, employer, but uh, law pay, which I pretty much always thought of as a payments processor, mostly focused on the smaller firm market, but they do some, most of the payments processing for elite, uh, which is uh, means for a lot of the law large law largest law firms right. you know in in the world. Uh, all runs through LawPay, right? Did I get that right, Nikki? I, I, I interviewed Drew uh, recently and at, yes. at, 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 for my podcast, and she made that point. I had not been aware of that before. I thought that was interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I appreciate your pointing that out. Yeah, that I think that uh, we um, need to uh, get the word out about that type of thing even more. But yeah, we 
have a, I can't remember the exact data point, but in terms of processing for uh, AMLA, I think 200 plus, it's something like 40 or 60%. I can't recall. I should know, but I don't. Have you not been evangelizing? (laughs) (laughs) She has Bob to do it for her now. (laughs) Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, it's only, it's only a, you know, it's a somewhat crucial point, but but that's okay. We'll, we'll let it go. Um, I, I have a question for everybody. Has I'm I am finishing up reading the the Elon Musk bio. Has anybody else read it? I did not know he was an investor in OpenAI. I've uh, learned. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Early yeah, he, right. Yeah. He was he was an investor in it, and then when he realized he could get a little bit more publicity by trashing it, he started trashing it. Like he's. I mean, listen. <laughs> What he he's he's one of those people who is from this generation that isn't smart. Like the prevalence of C sections are going to lead to is that one tracking this? Elon what? Musk went on a on a rant about how C sections are going to make us all smarter because evolutionarily our brains are going to become bigger yeah, yeah, for some yeah. for some reason. Yeah. This guy is a complete joke. The fact that he's the richest person in the world you know is what? an indict of capitalism. No, but I I came out of it respecting his approach to uh, to engineering, and I know nothing mm-hmm. about science, right. but I think the way he continued, you know, he was sort of like Steve Jobs in pushing the people that work for him rethink it, start over, think the unthinkable, make this work. And when when he explains how he was able to launch satellites for less money than all of the all of the big companies that get government contracts where they actually are incentivized to to be wasteful i i don't i am i'm i i he's scary he's weird but i have a lot of respect for what he did before before he went off the deep end so so i read a lot of uh, i've i've read some accounts from spacex people who talk about how there was a person whose job at spacex was to basically dangle shiny objects in front of him so that he could get out of the way so the actual smart people could do what they needed to do. Uh, he's he, he's a complete fraud. This is a guy who, like, he didn't invent Tesla. Two dudes invented Tesla. He invested in it, and then he forced them out in a, in a hostile takeover. Like, this guy is, oh, yeah, no. He, and he's uh, broken. He's I mean, I mean, you know, broken yeah. You don't get to where you are in life without being good at something. So, I mean, obviously, he's good. He is good at, at, at some things, but it's just like what he gets credit for, you know, is not necessarily what he's good at. But, like, to kind of piggyback off Gene's point, like, yeah, I mean, I get that, like, he, you know, is good at, like, sort of, like, you know, doing the whole, like, you know, oh, let's let, let's rethink this, let's rethink this. But, like, there was a, there was a clip that went, um, like, right after he took over Twitter, I guess now it's X. Um, uh, but, like, where he, he he's he's on, he's, on, he's on like one of those like Twitter Spaces like calls with like a bunch of with, with, with a bunch of software engineers. And it's like oh we'll just rewrite the whole thing, and they're like what are you talking about? Rewrite the whole thing? Just re- rewrite rewrite the whole stack? Like just 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 do it? And they're like what do you what are you talking about? Rewrite the whole stack? Like do do, do you mean just like kind of you know just just kind of you know making it more efficient or you know or, or or are you talking about a complete teardown and we like completely reinvent what Twitter is and blah blah blah? And he's like just 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 do it. Like what, what's wrong with you? And he starts lashing out at him, and, and it's just like. So I get that sometimes you know, you, you know you you know like kind of coming in and just being like okay well let's let's look at it from a different point of view and whatnot you know can be useful but you also have to like have to have sort of like an idea of what that that's actually going to entail as opposed to just being like oh let's tear it down and start over you know I mean yeah. he, he so I mean so with him it's just kind of like well 
you know, if you look at everything he's done recently, it's just like he's really good at tearing things down. But I don't, I don't know if he's really good at making things better. I saw a great picture of a bumper sticker, a bumper sticker on a Tesla, and it said, "I bought the car before I knew what kind of person he was." <laughs> Which I think mm -hmm. I'm going to get and put on my. You're going to get one too. <laughs> Good. Uh, all right. Well, I think we've unfortunately reached the end of our hour. So I guess that's all the important stories for the year, even if there were other important stories for the year. Uh, and uh, we will be back next week uh, with uh, uh, a regular show, I guess. I, I think did we, I think we did a prediction show last year. I hate prediction shows. And maybe, but maybe I should go back and see how well we did in our predictions last year. Maybe we can do a prediction show. But uh, I hope everybody has a great 2024 and uh, that uh, generative AI doesn't take away all of our jobs or this panel by the end of the year. I was hoping to be in the Bahamas by now while Gen AI did my job. That hasn't happened. <laughs> all right. That's, that's your goal for next year. Yeah, next year. Have a great weekend, everyone. Happy New Year. Um, everyone. Yeah. Great chatting, everyone. Thank you.